Hello and a warm welcome to Diversity Network's Inclusion Podcast, bringing you the very latest on diversity, inclusion and equity in the workplace. Diversity Network is a passionate community of like-minded business professionals from around the world dedicated to DE&I and quite simply making work life better. You can find out more and join in our regular online events at diversity-network.com. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you with us for this very special podcast on the topic of one particular type of neurodiversity, ADHD. Now, ADHD or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, as it's actually known, is commonly associated with a lack of focus, inability to concentrate, disruption in the classroom among children and hyperactivity. But how much do you actually know about ADHD? How common is it? How does it present in adults and more specifically in the workplace? Well, on the podcast today, I'm very pleased to be joined by James Degnan of TextHelp, who's going to be joining me to discuss just that. We're going to be talking about the potential advantages that having ADHD can bring in a workplace setting, as well as some of the challenges that need to be managed. Believe it or not, ADHD is actually much more common than you might think. It's currently estimated that somewhere around 4 to 5% of the total adult population do have ADHD, whether they have been diagnosed or not. But in fact, out of those who have been diagnosed, only around 11% of adults are currently obtaining treatment for their ADHD. And of course, some adults may go completely undiagnosed and untreated. So there is a very probable chance that you have encountered at least one person within the workplace who has ADHD around you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to tap into the creative advantages that having ADHD can bring? So earlier on in chatting to James Degnan of TextHelp, we discussed just that. He has the condition himself and it's a great conversation, which I hope that you'll find helpful. Enjoy. Hi, James. Thank you very much for joining. It's brilliant to be able to chat to you now. Um, I know you yourself actually have ADHD, and so it would be really interesting during our conversation for us to talk a little bit about that. But why don't you start by telling us about the role that you currently have working at TextHelp and a little bit about your background and where you have worked so far? Absolutely. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here, really happy to chat about neurodiversity, especially ADHD and, and you know the uh, lived experience that I have. Um, my name is James Degnan. I'm the business development director here at TextHelp, but that's not really important. Um, TextHelp in our mission is important because TextHelp has been in the assistive technology business for over 25 years and um, really focusing on neurodiversity. And we've, um, you know, expanded to really work on all neurodiverse conditions, specifically ADHD. Um, so I just want to describe, you know, um, the my experience with ADHD, my diagnosis, kind of the, the, what has led me to text help, to the tools that I'm leveraging today, and the methodologies that really help me leverage what some people see as a, a challenge or a disability, and I would argue as a superpower. 
It has allowed me to leverage skills that are not associated with the norm, um, but have additional layers of creativity and have allowed me to kind of um, really thrive in, in the workplace. So um, you had asked a question. Let me just back up a moment and set the scene for ADHD, where I come from and, and kind of my lived experience. So my family, uh, ADHD is a, is a common diagnosis, actually. My mom was never formally diagnosed, um, but just by observed behavior, it, now that I know what to look for, it's very obvious. My sister is also ADHD, but my, my mother was in early childhood development when I was growing up, and I, I started to fall behind in school. I had trouble completing tests and documents and, and things in, you know, a allotted amount of time, basically. And um, it was at that point that she had me get tested for neurodiverse challenges. And, you know, I think her goal was to have me tested outside of like the school systems and the norms of the processes here, because back when I was in school, you know, these were classified as learning disabilities, learning challenges, where they would take you outside of the classroom, or you were stigmatized by putting in a special group or something. And my mom really wanted to make sure that, you know, I had the, the quote, normal experience, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm happy that she took that um, approach. I was diagnosed with ADHD and I was given medication at the time uh, to kind of manage it. Fast forward, any teenage boy, not really good at taking medication, um, progressed through my academic years, you know, leveraging meds when I needed them, you know, in order to get stuff done. But what ultimately ended up happening was that I couldn't manage my health well on these types of attention med uh, medications. And ultimately, it made my behavior aggressive. I lost weight, all sorts of things. Not going to bore you with the details. But the point is that I had to find alternatives to managing my ADHD in the workplace because when you don't manage your ADHD, it manages you. So I know I've given kind of a lot there, but... I think that's a pretty good background on kind of my ADHD and, and what has led me to this point. That's an excellent summary. And thank you for being so upfront and honest about your experiences, because I'm sure that many people in the audience will be able to relate to that experience if they have ADHD um, or a similar condition themselves. And I think all of us within the workplace, you know, as colleagues or perhaps as employers will probably identify in a certain way that they perhaps know someone in their circle who maybe exhibits similar uh, or actual symptoms such as ADHD themselves. So they may be able to sort of frame it in some way already and have a clue about what ADHD means. And I think for the purposes of this conversation, it would be really useful and practical for people to understand a little bit more about the condition from the experience of someone such as yourself who actually has it and can talk knowledgeably about that and really how it presents um, when you're at work and what kind of things you're having to actually manage and deal with and maybe if you can give your thoughts and advice um, to others on how best to integrate people with ADHD within the workplace and what kind of needs they have that need to to be served. Yeah, no, th those are some really great questions. And, you know, I just wanted to put it out there that I am so open and honest about all of this because I want to really destigmatize, you know, these uh, conditions and, and ways of thinking. You know, it's really not a learning challenge or a learning disability. Yes, and in the way of the linear thinking that we have kind of put in place from a society structure, 
um, has, you know, confined us to thinking in a certain way and um, individuals just think differently and that can be harnessed for greater power if, if recognized. So that, that's really my effort in, in being so honest and open about this, but lived experience. So um, I've tried before to describe ADHD to somebody and, you know, I don't want to take away from uh, like a movie reference or anything like that, but it's like you're focusing on something and you're reading along and, you know, you're, you might be mid sentence and then it's like squirrel and, you know, something comes along and, you know, it's a ping on your, uh, from LinkedIn or uh, you've got mail or whatever it might be. And that one, you know, it could even be a noise outside that just, it, it takes you out of that state of either reading or whatever you're doing. And you're like, at some point you'll realize that you've lost track of the task that you're on and then you'll have to go back. And it's usually that once you've gone back to it, it's like starting over again. So um, that's when like trying to do the lived, that's the lived experience of like trying to do an individual process of like reading something or getting through like a daily task. Um, but I like to talk about it when I want to, of the management of my day. Obviously, it's not just writing emails or just communicating with people. It's a million different things, right? And it can be um, difficult to stay on task. So my first and foremost is I'm a big to-do list um, person. So actually, let me back up. Let's go back to the lived experience. I'm, my ADHD is kicking in here, and, and I'm kind of getting sidetracked. Lived experience. So when I'm trying to like manage my day, when I'm thinking of all of the things that I need to accomplish, often it can be like fireworks going off in my head is kind of the best way to describe it. It's like, oh, I got to do that thing. And then, oh, I got to do that thing. And oh, you know, there's the six other things that go with that thing. And my mind has moved on to the next thing before I've even finished processing the previous thing. So it, it's, it's interesting that you know, when people think of ADHD or ADD, I think sometimes they think of lack of focus, somebody that, um, you know, can't, can't sit there and complete a task. Often individuals with ADHD can complete tasks, but they become hyper-focused or obsessive about it. And um, that's, that can be a blessing or a curse, right? You know, if you need to focus on something and you have the right hyper-focus, that can be great. Um, it's just often when you look at tasks, um, hyper-focus is not on the tasks that are truly going to move the needle in your job. Um, so those are kind of the lived experiences of what it, I, I guess it feels like in my head or it feels like to have ADHD. Um, the other scenario that I can kind of relate it to the layman is, or, or neurotypical, I would say, if you're not neurodiverse, neurotypical is how we, we, we can be layman. It's fine. Defined. Um, <laughs> is that if, if you're like trying to do multiplication or division in your head and you have to do multiple steps with addition or subtraction and you're trying to remember the order of operations and where you left off and what's left, that's like constantly with ADHD kind of, if not managed well. And that's where I go back to, if you're not managing your ADHD, it is managing you. 
Fascinating. Um, and I think what's really interesting there is that even though you've presented what to others might appear real challenges, quite a lot of benefits in there that we'd all be really jealous of. I think everybody in a work capacity would wish for the ability to come up with new, fresh ideas and as many as possible because, you um, you know, every business wants to stand out from the competition. It wants to be able to excel and it's always looking to bring forward new talent that actually have those fresh ideas so that's a huge positive that you're able to channel that and then the ability as you say to hyper focus and concentrate on one specific task if it's channeled in the right way can be incredibly useful at times imagine prepping for exams or something could be very very useful if you're behind on on something to be able to have that suddenly available to you um, whereas others maybe don't have that in their set of skills so that's quite useful and interesting for people to be able to bear in mind that ADHD is not just like a, a negative thing that someone has. It, it is actually an expression of the gifts that someone has. And if it's channeled in the right way, I, I guess that that really means you can be very productive in the workplace. Yes. And I think that ties back to, in addition to the lived experience, you know, outside of medication, what are some tools that I've found to be really helpful? And I think the one thing that I'd like to start with is blocking time within my day, understanding when I am going to be what I call cognitively on point. If I'm going to be doing a task that requires my mind in whether it be creative thinking or communicating or recording a podcast or whatever it might be, it's, you know, doing those at times of day that I have cognitive energy. I have brain energy that I can think and, and really uh, be eloquent and, and, you know, elaborate on things because I find that towards the end of the day, whether it be from my ADHD or a combination of the two, um, I just find that I don't have as much creative bandwidth as I do um, in the beginning of the day. So um, first and foremost is scheduling your day according to your habits, your best practices. Um, so what do I mean by that? I'm a morning person. Um, you know, I execute most of my thinking work before 10 a.m. You know, after 10 a.m., uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still doing work, but it, it's not um, as intense often. Um, the next thing that I like in terms of tools uh, is breath work. And I'm going to make this twofold with meditation. Now, obviously, there's many popular apps out there, uh, Calm, Headspace. Um, I'm a big fan of an app called Waking Up by Sam Harris. But there's different levels of kind of meditation, different methodologies. What I've found is that, as I described before, when I'm doing kind of my normal thinking, fireworks are going off constantly. And that can be fine at 8 a.m. in the morning when you're trying to get your day started, but when you're trying to go to sleep at night or you're trying to wind down or separate work from pleasure, it can be difficult and overwhelming to kind of mute those voices or that noise. And um, I found that meditation is the number one way for me to set time aside to work on honing kind of my, my mental strength and fortitude around that. Because I've seen where if you don't manage ADHD well, that you, know, you can see a decline in mental health and depression and all sorts of other challenges as well. 
So breath work and meditation are kind of the two and time blocking are the things that I specifically use at work. That's really very interesting. And because all of those things that you're describing are tools that can be useful for literally everybody and are often advocated to everybody in the workplace. So it's useful that that can be beneficial. I guess if it works for you, then the next question is, are you tempted to therefore not necessarily disclose that you have been diagnosed with ADHD because you can better mask it and sort of blend in? Is there a danger that people might have the condition and just feel too shy about coming forward and actually saying, I've got ADHD, I may in the future require extra assistance because they're self-conscious about it and then suffer and not feel open enough to communicate with their employers because they think they've got the tools to to manage it. Do you think there's a lot of that going on in the workplace at the moment? I think there's a ton of that going on in the workplace. And I think it's a couple different angles or flavors of that, right? When you have to ask for an accommodation, you know, it's typically, I need something. You have to raise your hand. You have to disclose, as you said. Um, in certain scenarios, you might not have to disclose. There's method methods around that as well. But the point being, when it comes to neurodiversity specifically, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, you know, Tourette's, is that in the past there was so much stigma around these, you know, ways of thinking or differences in thinking that, yeah, anybody in their right mind would probably be scared to disclose. I see the world. I as being a progressive place in that industry is coming around to embrace and accept these different ways of thinking and see them as strengths as we have as we've discussed throughout rather than the weaknesses of old of how they're classified so going back to your question is like what would an individual you know why would they disclose i think it's in everybody's advantage to disclose, obviously, because you can get the best support possible. And people understand that not everybody understands the same way and building kind of that that cognitive bridge, if that makes sense. So it's great that from what you say, you're a very positive individual anyway, I know, James, but um, just your feeling is then that it's a good thing to tell your employer to be honest and upfront because then you can be better supported. But you did mention that there has been a lot of stigma around ADHD and other neurodiverse conditions in the past. And just anecdotally from people I've spoken to, it would appear that there's quite a lot of that still around, perhaps just from lack of education among the general population of what that really means and a certain fear about not necessarily being able to provide sufficiently for colleagues who have those conditions in the workplace. Just that slight feeling of of reservation because they just don't quite know what it's going to entail. What do you think are the best ways of dispelling those feelings um, of caution around neurodiverse conditions? What are the best ways? That's a really good question. What's the best way to dispel the caution? Well, I think it's going to take, you know, honestly, businesses advocating for their employees. Um, It's going to take loud individual employees that um, do have the, you know, uh, I guess like, bravery to come out and and disclose and and be vocal about their needs. Um, That's something that I've absolutely taken up the the banner for and will continue to do so. And I, 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 you know, welcome any colleagues or anybody that wants to join in that movement. But I would say, you know, there's 
conferences and networks that have seen rapid growth in you know, the past couple of years around disability support. And we're seeing organizations like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, um, Walmart, you know, the biggest employers across the United States, across the globe really, come out in support of not only disability inclusion, but specifically neurodiversity inclusion, ADHD and all of that. And how can they build the structures and programs to really support those individuals and you know, extract value out of them. At the end of the day, it is a business. They're there to deliver value. And, you know, how can they optimize um, the workflow and balance for individuals with neurodiverse conditions to, you know, get kind of leverage those uh, creative resources that we had referenced in the beginning that aren't, aren't really available to everybody all the time. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, before we've actually had this conversation, you and I were speaking previously, weren't we, about mind mapping? And I was uh, sharing that as someone who is neurotypical. I can mind map in a basic manner, but it does sound as if the mind maps that you have are absolutely extraordinary off the scale to the ones that I could feasibly produce. So um, that is something that employers really should take um, and uh, listen to and be aware of because you know uh, to be able to be such a mind machine coming up with amazing thoughts and ideas and creative possibilities is a huge strength in the workplace and in all areas of life actually um so if that can be tapped into i, I think that um you know every company should be able to have that resource at their fingertips personally it's a, a definitely a very good thing um You've mentioned quite a lot of self-management strategies, such as, um, you know, the controlling of time, the breath work and the meditation, which is great. That does sound like self-help, though, uh, in, in that sense. Are there any other resources that employers might be able to equip you with that you personally, as someone with ADHD, would find useful in the workplace? Is there a kind of technology or a tool out there that can kind of support or would be quite useful to you in your day-to-day -day work to support the self-help mechanisms that you're already turning to? Absolutely. And, and thank you for coming back to that. I, uh, in my ADHD mind, I can go cover a million topics and forget to come back to um, one <laughs> that we started with. The, there are tools and they, it does align with the mission that we're driving here at TextHelp. Um, so I arrived at TextHelp and didn't quite understand exactly the power of the tools that we provide, but it is mind-blowing when you kind of pull the covers back and understand how to meet people where they're at from a cognitive perspective. So um, there are tools out there. There's, um, you know, I'll mention the apps that I had already did for the breath work and meditation, just so you have those, but Waking Up by Sam Harris and then Breathwork. I also use another app called brain.fm. And what that is, is it's music that has been, um, it uses notes in such a way that will basically get you into a flow state and help you focus. Um, so that's another tool that I use that's free of charge. Uh, Text Help also makes a program and that's what we've been experts in for the last 25 years called Read and Write for Work. And I wasn't really aware of this program before I arrived at TextHelp, but now that I use it every day, I'm like, how could I not work without this? Um, it is basically taking all of my accessibility, all my neurodiversity tools and some productivity tools and put them all in one place. So 
I get things like um, text to speech where I can have my emails read out loud to me. Um, if I want to take a document on my, on a walk, um, it's, it's probably hard to see with the blurred video screen behind me, but my dog's right behind me and we go on an afternoon walk every, every afternoon and I like to take documents with me. Um, so we have a way of taking files with us and creating them into audio files. So just creating documents to meet people where they're at based on either their office circumstance, their cognitive preference, their skill set, whatever it might be. Translation, dictation, screen masking, I could go on all day, but these are tools that screen masking is one specifically that I leverage constantly. If you ever seen back in the day, individuals that carried around tints that went over their screen, whether it be yellow or blue, um, we've recreated that digitally. But the way I use it for my ADHD is I use it as a focal reading ruler. So when I'm reading a physical book, I pull out a ruler and I go down the page to keep my line. This is a way to digitally recreate that, whether it be my email, articles, you know, Excel. This is a great way to just make sure that you know I, I stay focused. So um, yeah, text help has been a, a plethora of resources around ADHD and neurodiversity specifically, but Read and Write has changed the way I operate on a day-to-day -day basis. That's great to hear um, and fantastic ideas as well there for employers about how they might be able to offer extra support. So thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you actually, James. Thank you for bringing ADHD to life in such a positive way as well um, for so many people. I think uh, it's, it's great to hear that you yourself are thriving in your own career um, and hopefully that's given people some ideas uh, and a framework of reference that you, know, you can sort of understand ADHD in a little bit more detail than previously, perhaps. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So there you have it. ADHD can be a challenge, but if employers are willing to acknowledge the condition and offer support to colleagues within the workplace, that can go a very long way towards helping both the individual and the company to thrive. To find out more, do join us for the Neurodiversity Digital Focus Day run by Diversity Network on the 27th of September 2022. It's online, free to attend, and will hopefully be a great resource to help you unlock all the creative possibilities of the neurodiverse individuals around you in your own setting. You can find out more and register for the event by heading across to diversity-network.com.